I guarantee there was moments in in pre-production where David A.R. White got the script and was like, listen, guys, if we're going to get any of the bald ones except for maybe Daniel... <laughs> We need to beef up these. Yes, right, right. And they were like, you know, because like Stephen or Billy, they're going to read this and they're not going to think it's enough, guys. (laughs) It's such absolute trite bullshit. And we're going to end up with fucking Daniel in Alaska again. And we don't want that. God awful movie. 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 Welcome back to the Gamcast, where each week we sample another selection from Christian cinema because real jobs are hard. I'm your host, No Illusions, and sitting 700 miles to my immediate left is my good friend, Heath Enright. Heath, welcome back. Thanks, Noah. You know who lost half his money and <laughs> half his stuff? Who's, who's that? Recently? Who's, who's that? Who did, who David A.R. White. <laughs> also, I love this movie. Also, it's yes. the best. And you know who got half of his stuff? Andrea Logan White. Go, Andrea Logan. Why wasn't she in this? Doesn't she lost so, half her stuff? So weird. Recently too. So weird. All right. And of course, sitting 900 miles to my northeast is my bad friend, Eli Bosnick. Eli, how are you this fine afternoon, sir? Still married, Noah. Still <laughs> married. Happily so, huh? <laughs> That's why Eli wasn't in this movie. Weird. <laughs> Unreal. All right. And we're also very excited to welcome our guest masochist today. Luke Barnett is a writer and actor who first caught the world's eye on Funny or Die. He's the writer and star of a new film called Faith Based, co-starring Jason Alexander, Margaret Cho, and Lance Reddick, Ooh. which is currently sitting at 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Congratulations on that. And looks fucking hilarious, especially to a guy who watches Christian movies for a living. So, Luke, welcome to God Awful Movies. Hey, guys, I I could not be more excited to be here. And I also could not be more excited to be watching a David A.R. White movie because in our movie, (laughs) we have a company called Christ Flicks. So the idea of of the one I got chosen for today being pure flicks just could not be more perfect. All right. So before we dive into all our normal stuff here, tell me what what inspired you to make Faith Based? You know, it was a few different things. I I grew up uh, very much in the world of all of this stuff. I had a lot of friends that played in Christian bands growing up or or more so non-Christian bands that later became Christian bands and were suddenly (laughs) successful. Mm -hmm. And then we had done my first movie after Funny or Die stuff was a horror comedy called Fear Inc. And it it premiered at Tribeca and was a lot of fun. And we kind of thought, oh man, we're all of a sudden going to be you know, making uh, the next Avengers or we're going to get scooped up from the Hmm. independent world and and whatnot. And and instead it was more like two or three years of pitching that never really went into production. And I think it was at that time, God's Not Dead 3 came out and we had a gen, I looked at my partner and I said, we should just make a really bad Christian movie that then will make $30 million and we can and use pay that for money all the other shit yeah. to make our own movies. Hey, dude, I get that pitch every week from these guys. So I know yeah. you're not joking. Yeah. And so all of a sudden that joke kind of turned into like, do we turn this into a TV show, which led to like, maybe we'll turn it into a movie. And all of a sudden, like, I don't know, five months later, we were filming the movie Faith Based, which for those of you who, who haven't heard of it or, or seen it, it's basically about two guys who come to this realization that bad Christian 
Christian movies like Beckman from from Pure Flix make a lot of money. And so they set out to make uh, a prayer in space, which is the story of the first prayer ever to be prayed in space. Amazing. And it's kind of like these guys aren't Christians. They don't know how to make movies. And so it's this fish out of water. Are these guys going to be able to make this bad Christian movie or not? Awesome. Mm. Awesome. Guys, the firmament's blocking my prayer. I don't know what's happening. It keeps echoing back or something. All right, so super looking forward to that one. And, of course, that one you can already find on Amazon. We're going to have it linked in the show notes. Strongly recommend it. But we've got another movie we have to talk about yet. So, Heath, tell us. What we, will we be- watched Beckman. <laughs> we have been looking Beckman. forward to this for so goddamn long. <laughs> we have Beckman is the title of the movie. It's an exciting action flick called Beckman. Yep. Wow. And it's the story of... David A.R. White doing karate. <laughs> now, I, like, I know I know all these things happened, but that's all no, I care about. No, they didn't. He tries so hard. <laughs> oh. And Eli, how bad was this movie? Well, if you loved sneaking out of your house to watch John Wick when your mom fell asleep, but <laughs> all you remember about it was man's name gravelly voice, you... <laughs> Will love it. It's the goofle.com of action yep, movies. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So is, is there anything you guys want to nominate this one for being the best at being the worst at? I would. I would. I have a visual aid. Yes, to go you along do. With it. Yes, you have. <laughs> so best worst flip ahead. Oh, yes. And what I mean by that is so when when I turn on one of these movies, it's my job every fucking week to watch a terrible movie. So I turn it on. And then I'm, I flip ahead or I put my cursor over like near the end to see just how many minutes of credits there are to like in my head be like, all right, I subtract four from that. Prep it's four yourself. minutes less than mm-hmm. four minutes credits. <laughs> so I did that for this movie. The, the picture I landed on <laughs> is in front of you guys in the notes. It's Baldwin, one of the Baldwins. And he's got about a thousand beads on and a poncho of some sort and uh-huh. face paint that's like blocking his eyes like a, a blindfold of face paint yeah I, I like that there's no design to it it's just like a perfect strip of red across his eyes yep. like <laughs> i don't know so okay i watched this movie and i was like all right, well, somehow they're going to get me to no. this bald one with this red stripe on his face. This, they're going to like put this together. They do not. Nope. I have <laughs> no idea how they got there. I watched the whole movie. My favorite is that when I looked at these notes briefly, I hadn't watched the movie yet. And so when I was looking at this, I, I had a I had a solid... 20 seconds of trying to figure out which Baldwin it was. Right? <laughs> which one is it? It's it's William Billy Baldwin. Yeah, Billy Baldwin. It's yeah. Billy Baldwin. Okay. Yeah, it's the it's the bottom Baldwin. So here's the it, to give a better visual to the audience here. This is what when I saw this picture and you said flip ahead, what I thought of, remember when you were a kid and they would have those books where it's just a face and it's cut in thirds and you can flip the top and the bottom and give it like the wrong uh-huh. mouth and the wrong nose and like the lady eyes, but the mustache or whatever. That's what it looks like they've done to his face. <laughs> and I thought those were called flip aheads or something. And that's what you were referring to. So. <laughs> <laughs> All the flips were just different Baldwins, yeah. so it was really just his face. <laughs> All right, so Luke, do you have any best worsts? 
My uh, my best worst was best worst high contrast lighting. And, and, and what I mean by this is if you've seen any of the John Wick movies or, or take Stranger Things, for example, they do a very cool like uh, neon pinks and blues and like really high contrast lighting to give it this sort of a cinematic feel to it. And this was as if David A.R. White saw the John Wick movies, wanted that, and he had, like, you know, the budget of one day of John Wick craft services. <laughs> and so, like, he had, like, the, the gaffer bring out, like, one pink light to just, like, put at an area <laughs> of the screen. And so there was, like, these multiple fight scenes you see where, like, you're basically like, oh, if they had John Wicked this, this would be a, a great idea. But instead, there's just like one pink light in like the bottom right corner that makes no fucking sense whatsoever for the scene. Um, yeah. So best worst high contrast lighting for me. Half of that light is actually Andrea Logan's. So he had to like, oh, go on. <laughs> he's stolen his daughter's unicorn nightlight and he's just put it in the corner of his scene. No, no. Just like I'm Beckman. <laughs> All right. So, okay. Yeah. That's actually where I'm going with mine. Okay. So I went with the easy one. I went with best worst Batman voice because, and yes, I'm counting Christian Bale when I say this one. (laughs) So David A.R. White decided to give his character the gravelly Batman-y sounding voice, but selectively. Uh He forgets to do it over and over again. And then just he'll slip into it mid conversation and shit. It's amazing. Oh, it's perfect. it's perfect. He'd hear Baldwin just like at craft services and be like, oh, right. Gravelly voice. And see, I was going to go with best worst movie timeline. And that's saying a lot on our yeah, show. I got a lot of notes about this. <laughs> What's amazing. And, and Luke already put it so well, is that he very obviously saw John Wick, which uses time jumping well. But he was he got confused and at one point he doesn't know what time he's in in the movie. He has to walk up to a random extra and be like, wait, how many minutes since I got shot in the yeah. foot? We got to go back. How many years? Five minutes. We got to go back five minutes. <laughs> yeah, right. not exactly. Why <laughs> was I in the payphone? <laughs> <laughs> so much of that. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. There are a lot of action sequences on the other side of this break, and David A.R. White is 50, so we're going to give him a minute to stretch out his quads. But when we come back, we'll dive into all the white-knuckle action of Beckman. All right, everyone. Welcome to the first-ever Writer's Room meeting for the Christian smash action hit to come, Beckman. Beckman. All right, and here you go. Uh, this is just the script for John Wick. But? Yeah, with the the title crossed out and the word Beckman in Sharpie. Yep, yes, it is. That's all that is. Yep. Lunch? Lunch, great, yep. Fantastic. Uh, Yeah, can we get tacos? Yeah, I would do tacos. I would do tacos. Tacos. Cool. (laughs) Luke, thanks so much for using your movie experience to help us shoot the fight scenes for Beckman. Ah, no problem, David A.R. White. You ready? <laughs> Am I ready? Do the Philistines have hemorrhoids? I I don't... What? Yes, yes. I, I, sorry, I, I am ready. Yep. Okay. And action. Take this, Mr. Beckman. Karate! 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 Uh, cut, cut. Uh, karate! Uh, cut, cut. Uh, sorry. Uh, David? Yeah, Luke, uh, what's up? Weren't doing fight choreography just now. You were just yelling karate, karate, karate. What? I was? I didn't do. 
into the fight thing? Very much so. It was just yeah, much you were yelling. Just yelling. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Uh, let's try it again. Can we try again? Sure. All right. Uh, rolling uh, sound speeds and action. Take this, Mister Beckman. Karate, karate, karate. Cut, cut, cut. Karate, cut. Karate. Seriously? What? Yeah, I was doing. David, was great. The issue is not the pronunciation of the word karate. Oh well, then what is the issue? You have no choreography. I, I mean, isn't your audience going to be mad? <laughs> no, no. At this point, most of our audience will have fallen asleep, or they stopped watching because I said "heck" like four scenes ago. I see. Uh, and how much is this movie going to make again? Several million dollars. All right, let's get back to it then. Karate. Karate. Exactly. Karate. <laughs> And we're back for the breakdown. We're going to open up on that familiar David A.R. White feeling of like, wow, it's almost like a real movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> we open up in Los Angeles where the devil lives. Well, I got to say the Universal Studio thing, uh, the Universal Studios logo at the beginning of this movie genuinely <laughs> hurt my soul. Uh, right? The company that gave us E.T. and Back to the Future and Jurassic Park are now working with the guy that gave us God's Not Dead 3 and fucking Beckman. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and brother, why? Oh, I could. I, there's quite a list that we could do. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. Wow. Also, Noah, not to like correct you on the air, but we open up on David Air White's pores. Yeah, Los Angeles, <laughs> right. California, inside his face skin. I, I also had a moment the minute he came on screen where where my brain just went to. I think that's Beckman. I bet that's Beckman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're getting this cheesy ass. David A.R. White, helicopter, gun, gun, helicopter, David A.R. White opening, where we see that, that we meet the guy, uh, Paulie from Rocky. Burt Young is in uh, this movie. What the fuck? See, this is what happens when TBS stops running Rocky at 3 p.m. Uh, on a Tuesday, everybody. Burt Young has some. not stopped doing that. This was up there with Universal for me in terms of it. Like, I had a moment where I was like, that guy looks like they found like a really old version of Pauly from Rocky. And then I was like, oh, shit. I like, I am beat it. I was like, that's Pauly from Rocky. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I couldn't understand oh. like anything he said. I had to like rewind it to rewatch, and I still couldn't tell you right now what what Polly sets up here. I have no idea what's going on in this fucking scene. We we have him talking that he's clearly just assassinated somebody in the background, and we're cutting between that and a fight suddenly. And I have no fucking clue when <laughs> either of those things are. Yeah, Polly is <laughs> definitely mailing in his performance. His first line of the movie, he goes. This is the life you chose. And then pauses while he very obviously checks his script and goes, Beck man. <laughs> name of the movie. What's his name again? No. Oh, it's the movie name. <laughs> no second takes. I'll be in my trailer. <laughs> Don't touch me. And like, I, dude, I hate to like just rag on someone's looks because to be honest, like I'm not Brad Pitt, but David I.R. White has such an unlikable face. It, yes. It's literally like oh. if Owen Wilson was like stuck in 98, like gained 30 pounds and managed the chilies. <laughs> it's like who David I.R. White looks like to me. He looks like Carl Hungus from Lebowski, but like, <laughs> su like super old, like doing convention autographs later as like a old porn star. Yeah, and like if he's gonna put himself in every movie, he he honestly he, this would make his movies better. David R. White should only play the bad guy. Like, there's no <laughs> world where you are like on his side. You know? Nope. 
Boy, he doesn't like the entire movie could be summed up as him looking over at another guy going, I don't see why they like Keanu more than me. Right. <laughs> That's the entire film. So, and, and also, like, we, we really should drill down on the old. Right. This guy is like six years older than my ass. He's out here trying to do karate. You can basically see him and the other guys going like their lips are going one, two, three, four, kick, elbow, kick, block, you know. <laughs> Can we, can we do that in like halftime? Can <laughs> <laughs> they can speed Two, it up with the camera three, later. You guys can speed four. this up, right? You guys figure it out, right? Just make me look badass in post. In post. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so this bad fight choreography goes on for so long and they keep like shooting near each other because it's like, I guess it's a Christian movie so you can't just be shooting people constantly but they want a lot of PQPQs in there. Oh, yeah, <laughs> this fight scene especially for being the opening pull-you-in fight scene. Oh. It literally looks like something I performed to get my yellow belt when I was 11. <laughs> like, uh, I forgot if they were called, like, Kedas or Forms, but, like, they literally stole this out of, like, the Luke Barnett 11-year-old yellow belt book. Yeah, there was a very yellow belt feel to all of this yeah. shit. You, you can imagine them walking through this entire choreography and then being like, all right, let's speed it up a little bit, flow into it. And then they just like never got near full speed. Uh, <laughs> no. Also like a yellow belt fight with kids. It act, they actually had to keep this. Some At one point, the guy's fighting is like, too hard. Seriously, too hard. Too hard. <laughs> and they had to keep going because they were in the middle of like two, three. Four. All right, wait, 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 this is the best take we're getting. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to be able to pick it up on three, guys. Come on. I have to go all the way back. This was also the first moment in the movie where I realized this was going to be the low-budget, high-contrast situation because I think just, like, as they're fighting in this mechanic shop or whatever, all of a sudden you just notice, like, one bright pink light in the bottom corner and you're like, what the fuck is that coming from? But you know David R. White was ecstatic about his John Wick. That's <laughs> <laughs> his little... His, Homage. And so, okay, I have no idea between this and him talking to Polly, what's the flashback and what's the future of what? But it, in one or the other of these, he, he shoots the guy and has to now escape from other assassins that are coming for him for reasons we never established that I know of. <laughs> Yeah, sure. None okay. of us can answer. None of us can answer because all, all we really know is that David A.R. White didn't want to kill this guy, but then killed this guy. And now he's running. Yeah. And just <laughs> then he sees a cross. And what I mean by then is anybody's guess the chronology is already fucked. <laughs> yeah. OK. Is this where he pulls out his flip phone? This movie's from 2020, right? <laughs> and everything in the movie happens like within a couple years of 2020, right? It's such a weird choice. I, I, in my mind, they were going for some sort of like Breaking Bad. This is like the the disposable phones. Right. But you never right. see him throw any of them away. He never breaks any of them. And everybody has one. Like even the like girl that shows up later has a flip phone. Like what do they, why do they all have flip phones? Yeah, it's like this movie was moving around through time with just its production. Yeah, it was bizarre. David A.R. White owns a flip phone in real life. and That, that must be it. Yeah, sure. This is a perfectly good phone. We don't have to buy a new one. I'm not buying another prop. I'm grandfathered in with MCI. I have a great plan. I'm not getting rid of it. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he, everything else about him is straight out of 1998, so he might as well have just kept the same phone that he's had right? the whole time. My, yeah. my wife walked in for literally two minutes of this movie and asked me if the highlights in his hair were for this role. And I was like, no, that's just David A.R. White. Nope. Like, he just, uh, he looks he like a guy from 1998. All yep. the time. That is his goatee from 1998. Yeah. <laughs> it's just uh, wilted a little bit, but that's the one. <laughs> so. Uh, All right. So we cut inside this church where a wizened old man talks to God about getting that medicine he needs. Where will he get the money? Oh, yeah. He's he's trying to decide between medicine and his church. And I, I was just really wishing he would include an eyebrow trimmer in his option. <laughs> Whatever. That's it. Well, I had a moment of like looking this guy up too. And I realized he played a character named Frank Lapidus on Lost, which if you didn't like, oh, if you didn't watch yeah. Lost, I liked Lost a lot. And I, and I had a moment of like, man, this guy's on like 50 episodes of Lost. Is he having a moment where he goes to his like shitty trailer on this David A.R. White movie and is just like, what happened? Like he's looking at everybody else in Lost and they're all on different shows. <laughs> yeah, we watch Christian movies all the time. So that's just a background thing in our minds, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's just hanging out with John Ratzenberger. Yeah, and, uh, right, right. Exactly. And uh, Harry Anderson. And the Regional Witch. Bell yeah. Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> that Carl Winslow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He pops yeah. up every now and again in these. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. He was also in Die Hard, the greatest Christmas movie ever made. Exactly, exactly. but now you'll catch him either on like a Pure Flix movie or like an Asylum like disaster movie where it's like sci-fi channel, you know, they got him to be in the cockpit of the plane for two days and uh, mm -hmm. now they got Carl Winslow. <laughs> All right, so yeah, so Davey shows up at this church. He, he knocks on the door. The, the, the priest comes against him. He's like, I'm a reform killer guy who needs help and I'm stabbed and everything. I'll give you $350,000 to take care of me and not call the cops. Hi, I'm an escape murderer. Can I have your job? Yes. All right. <laughs> yep. Wow. <laughs> that, was, that was easy. All right. Great. Do I have to learn anything? Not really. <laughs> no, not no. really. No. Well, there's a few things you need to learn, and I'll talk to you about that now. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, so we get what I can only describe as the Dagobah montage, but with Jesus instead of the force. Right? It's so sad. <laughs> it's like... Bum, 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 Literally. You'll need to just read this book, but not really. <laughs> I wonder if that was Polly from Rocky's idea. Like, I wonder if they had him in there for one day and they were like, well, how does he learn to become a pastor? And they were like, oh, shit, we should insert a Rocky IV training montage. I will say this was one of my favorite moments of the whole movie. I, I, can't, oh. I can't even comprehend this montage. There's parts of it where literally... David A.R. White is like, I want to be a Christian. And the guy's like, you're not ready to be a Christian. Yes, it's just right. like, what? what? <laughs> Your whole sales pitch is that you're ready to be a Christian. Yeah, anybody's ready. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's, it's all like a bunch of, now try to snatch this salvation from the palm of my hand bullshit. <laughs> my favorite quote from this is he goes, God removes your transgressions farther than the east is from the west. And I wrote in my notes, so not, it depends. That's a bad metaphor. They sort of touch. If you split things in, into east and west, they're just, there's a middle, it's right there. That's, it's two things. It's a spectrum. <laughs> so, yeah. And also, so during this montage, there's a great moment too, like where the priest that took him in coughs dyingly, you know, uh, in the background. <laughs> 
And then we get David A.R. White soaking wet, which we were all ready for at oh this point, gosh. I believe. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like a slow motion shot of David A.R. White in an Under Armour workout shirt <laughs> coming out of the water from his yes. baptism. I, I couldn't get enough at this point. With the big <laughs> baptism smile going on. Yeah, yeah. Oh. He's ready now. I turned that into a remix. It's beautiful. <laughs> and in case you're wondering how we keep track of time here, it's the uh, giant random wall calendar this church has in the center of its fucking room. Yeah, it's like in between <laughs> aisles. It's like just like, like they clearly set this up for the movie, but like makes no sense in relation to the actual location they were shooting at. Oh, it's so fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, they're Xing out the days so we can see. No, no, these days are passing. The days are passing, you see. <laughs> so Time is real here. Yeah, exactly. Hey, w later on, fire won't be so okay. Uh, yeah, maybe they had to establish that. Don't 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 give away the, the big spoiler. Big spoiler. <laughs> yeah, right. No, you're right. They I'll didn't have money to set a real fire. <laughs> it's, uh, it's incredible. We're, we're getting there. We're getting there. This is, that's just, that's just uh, foreshadowing. All right. So the calendar finally flips to December because we're going to fucking pull the trigger on that cough dyingly shit before the credits are over, right? We get the deathbed confession of the priest about all the people he killed in Nam. <laughs> no, well, was it? It was creepy. He was like, I, it was there were 11 boys in Vietnam that I killed. I killed them. I killed <laughs> Just to be clear. The boys. It's just such a strange thing to set up because they it's like they were trying to, to throughout the movie they try to create these parallels of the characters as if they can like relate to each other and, and be one of the other and it just makes they don't like do it enough. So you're just kinda like you're just showing us that this guy yeah. did something bad so that we appreciate that like shitty assassin David A.R. White is now in your role. Like none of this makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there's no reason for any of this except this guy was like, I get a dramatic death, don't I? If I'm only yeah. doing it if I get a dramatic death. Okay, okay you can have a dramatic death. And like dying dramatic words were like, David Arbite, promise you'll never return to that life. You... You'll need to say that exact line probably several times throughout your, your movie, your life coming up. <laughs> and this is when I realized that the, the conceit of this movie is David A.R. White turning to somebody and going, what if I was super badass like I used to be an assassin, though? Right? That's the whole film. That's the fucking impetus. All right. So now we cut to one year later. And I guarantee you there was a moment where they showed a like they had a different calendar that was also in December and they're like, no, nobody's going to get it. They're not going to know. Yeah, we got to throw this up on a full title card. Watching someone change the calendar. <laughs> we got to spell it the fuck out. They actually had to scratch out 2020 on one of their calendar shots. That actually happened. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> All right. So, but yeah, so apparently Davey is the preacher now. Yep, and he wakes up from his gunshot nightmares. But, you know, I'm guessing this movie takes place in the South, so who knows how often you wake up to gunshots. You can't get all freaked out over some random <laughs> gunshots. <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah, so we get him doing a sermon, but he's not very good at it, and he does Batman voice <laughs> a lot. Yeah. And some lady just leaves, right? Oh, it was like us in Edinburgh. <laughs> it's the my favorite part about the Batman voice is that every person made a note in our document to be like, what's up with the Batman voice? Because it is just like he's 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 not a great pastor and he's like two sentences into this weird sermon. And then he's just suddenly like, 
you don't know. And you're just like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> is he summoning something? In, in my mind, because we talked about how the Batman voice only comes in sporadically. In my mind, the Batman voice represents Jesus. And so whenever, you know, Jesus is really talking through David A.R. White, <gasps> he does it through his Batman voice. And this was all some very thought through situation. Oh, it's like the red letter version. Uh, really, I think he was probably just a bad actor. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those two things i'll yeah. tell you that for sure <laughs> <Absolutely>, Luke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but so his sermon i guess is basically just you suck and god knows it right <laughs> god knows who you are he knows about the little boys and okay you know what i'm done yeah that's I'm when the woman leaves the woman leaves the minute he's just like uh, god knows and then he's like she's out <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this is where we get our first shot also of Magical Black Lady because it's a Christian movie. Yep. And mm -hmm. what's amazing is she's supposed to be like concerned about the pastor's preaching, but this actress is very obviously thinking, does he think he's acting? What's <laughs> happening right now? Right, yeah. no, her her expression is <laughs> Is he doing the Batman voice? <laughs> yeah. It, it, she's probably the best actor in this entire movie. And then all of a sudden you can tell that like half of her performance is like what's on script. And the other half is like really trying to get David R. White to do a better job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, so he finishes up his sermon. She goes to check on him. She's like, hey, you know, that was a really bad <laughs> yeah. sermon. You were doing Batman voice in and, and out. You were doing this voice. <laughs> Also, apropos of nothing, I have fucked so what? many dudes. Yeah. I don't know if I mentioned it to you. This is absolutely, in my opinion, the weirdest writing of the entire movie is that every time this poor woman makes an appearance, they have written some line of dialogue to let us know that she had a pretty crazy youth. It's like, yeah. she even says, I have known my share of men. And you're like, who wrote that in what? there? Like, what? What? <laughs> Just her walking into the fucking first day of shooting. Hey, uh, I noticed I have four lines and two of them are about how hard my holes got to be filled back in the day. Did you, you did I not didn't know it was that, that kind of movie, guys. <laughs> Could we just bring it down to one? <laughs> Maybe be subtle with the writing? So That'd be weird. great. Yeah. But she gives him a little pep talk and while she's doing that, there's a knock at the door. Mm-hmm. Right. This is where we're going to meet a girl so important. She gets her own little chapter title. We didn't mention that at first, but the movie came up and said chapter one, Beckman. Uh, now we get chapter two, <laughs> Tabitha. Oh, I really wanted it to be another hitman with another $350,000. Yeah. It's just, you know, when you're next to that warehouse, man, I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> she, she comes walking in and she's basically like looking for her uncle. So she's like, and she's drugged. So she's like, uncle, uncle, is that you? And he goes quickly into the Batman voice and is like, I'm not Philip. I'm David A.R. White. And it's just, <laughs> I'm Beckman. I'm Beckman. <laughs> Yeah, so she's the niece of the priest that died, and she's in trouble and needs his help, but he can't call the emergency room. Okay? This movie, if this movie has a consistent theme, and I am not willing to say that it does, it <laughs> is, we can't call the cops, that would ruin the movie. Yeah, yeah. right, the plot would make no sense then. <laughs> yeah. They've also just got, like, they're again, they're trying to set up these parallels, and so they've got 
every character that comes in is like the same thing. She comes in exactly the way that Beckman came in to the priest. And we learn from the priest that the priest in Vietnam was just like Beckman. Right. All of mm-hmm. these people are the same character. <laughs> <laughs> That's how good of writers we are. Yeah. Yeah. Will Jesus eventually break the mold? Oh, if she had a Vietnam War story. Oh. All right. And then the goddamn title card comes up and says another year later. Another year later. <laughs> Fuck you. We promise last year later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Incredible. But uh, but now he can preach the shit out of a fucking sermon, right? Yeah, and he's got a way better suit. Like all of a sudden yep. for whatever reason, like not is, you know, the, the congregation is the exact same amount. So Beckman's not making more money. No. He's just now in like a black three-piece <laughs> which he will appear in for the majority of the movie. Yes, exactly. Like another character that you might be thinking of. Played by Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Neo? The, the, the character he totally stole from, from David A.R. White. All right. And then so he gets to the end of his sermon and he goes, and now a song from our very own adopted daughter. And I'm like, our? Like the church adopted her? <laughs> this is a little ditty I like to call. Sure hope the bad guys don't find me here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and I should I should explain to you, Luke. Eli's wife is a phenomenally talented musician and singer. Oh, cool! And so the of course this entire time while Tabitha is singing her little song, I was just fantasizing about Anna whipping the shit out of her. <laughs> I paused this movie, rewound it, and was like, "There's actually a really good song in here. We should do a we do like parodies of them." And she was like, "Sure, I'll listen to it." And I don't know if you've ever bothered a musician with a person who is singing exactly a half note off key before, <laughs> but it, it's excellent. It's the Cruciatus curse in real it life. Is, so uh, It was not exactly a half note. That would have been okay. That would have been a transposition. This was like <laughs> a few clicks, just enough to be horrible. Oh, yeah. it was bad. And it was almost as if she couldn't play guitar in real life, so they had like stand-in hands, but then they couldn't find stand-in hands that, that could play guitar, so they got somebody else who could just like <laughs> strum their two fingers in like one note at a time. The whole song is just like brum, brum. it's just like what? Oh, it, yeah, no, it's like a fractal of bad. Yeah. Just showing us Mario Paint going across. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's, she's playing garage band or rock band or whatever. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, right she's exactly. just on like the very, like the training level when you first buy the game. Blue, green, green, red, green, blue, green, red, blue. Yeah. But the key here, though, is that she's sure happy now, but she's sad and laden with mysterious backstories still. <laughs> right. And then, quite jarringly, Beckman is driving down a desert road screaming. Well, sorry, I, I, I got to comment on one thing at the end of that scene that I thought was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen, which is Beckman runs into a, a teenage boy from the congregation. Oh, that's right. That's like, right. He's like, hey, uh, Sonny, how's your dad doing? And the boy's like, ah, uh, he's dead now or he's in an old folks home. And Beckman's just like, well, you got the place to yourself now. And it's just like, yeah, what? <laughs> like, what? Yeah. How did I almost pass over that? Yeah, this is Tom. Tom will play a, an interesting role throughout the film. Tom, I appreciate any of you guys who know anyone's name except for Beckman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's it's my job to keep track. So yeah, this is Tom, and he is madly in love with Tabitha. That's going to come back, right? Um, he's in fact even made a video of her awesome song that he's edited 
for her. Don't ask why it's so sticky. And this is where Tom has the black eye and Beckman's like, hey, what happened? Did you get the shit beat out of you? And Tom's like, no, um, I shit beat you. I beat up. <laughs> I was pl playing a get eye punch. I'm trying myself. to <laughs> <with game. laughs> our adopted daughter here. Yeah. Uh, it's not drug that. gang related. <laughs> <laughs> what? My my other favorite part about how this scene ends is like the girl and Tom, Tabitha and Tom have like a kind of a flirtation or whatever, and then Tom leaves, and the pastor Beckman for whatever reason is like, "Don't tease him." Like, what does that mean? Like, like right? uh, you know, don't set him up if you're not going to give it to him. It's like, well, yeah, what, what are you saying here? What? I hope you plan on finishing him off. Yeah, what? yeah. <laughs> go read Timothy. There you go. <laughs> yeah. But then we cut to Beckman driving down the desert road, screaming and and uh, being angry and kicking in a door and whatnot. <laughs> oh, my favorite part of this is it ends with probably the best shot of the movie, which is the car kind of skids to a halt and the mm -hmm. camera does nicely slam into the car and like lands perfectly on David A.R. White's big face. And like, <laughs> I, I, I kept imagining they probably, it probably took them, uh, you know, as someone who's made independent films, it's probably, it probably took them 35 takes to get this right. <laughs> and the amount of high-fiving that must have happened after they got that shot. And they definitely tried to do it at a high speed 34 times and finally were like, ah, come on. Slow it down. You David. just got to take a responsible right turn into this parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> so it's supposed to be this like really dramatic build. He's crazy in the car going... 55, yeah. 60. They show us the Yeah, why show us the speedometer? And You're it's not like gonna... 55, 60, 65. <laughs> no more, okay, no more. Okay, he tops out at 65 <laughs> and then takes a responsible right turn well, into the parking lot. But in these conditions, it's a very dusty road. That's very fast for these conditions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, he jumps out of the car. He's got this tiny little machine gun, kicks in a door, and then just as you're going... Wait, is this a fucking flashback? What the hell's going on? The movie cuts in and it goes 10 hours earlier. 10 hours. From what? Where will we? What yeah, is 10 hours we? later from now? I don't know when we were. Yeah, I had a moment. I, I think one of you guys did too, where I had a moment of like really trying to put this together. And I, and I was just like, to clarify, uh, basically this is two years minus 10 yes. hours from the end of the training sequence, Wait. which those calendars taught us was approximately six months. So essentially this is like two years, five months, 29 <laughs> days and 14 hours yes, 14 since hours. the opening of the movie. Approximately, I'm just approximating. Hold on. Here. I'm just taking out a piece of paper. Well, yeah, hold on. Wait a second. I'm going to draw a I'm line right down, down, the down the middle of the piece of paper. Yeah, carry the one. <laughs> Yeah, so ten hours earlier, him and the uh, and the black woman from this church and the adopted daughter—they're all sitting around, you know, being happy, playing a board game called Exposition Prompts. <laughs> Which we also just once again, just to reiterate, this is one of the African American ladies' like two scenes in the movie. Yep, and again, they just hammer home that. Her name was Baby Thunder, and she had, like, lots of men from the jazz scene in the 60s from her life. It's like, yep. what? She's like, I fucked my way all the way down the American bandstand. Anyway, what were we talking about? It did yeah, yeah, not yeah, need yeah. to be that board game. David A. White was like, 
Do you remember at the first scene and only scene she's been in the movie where she said she'd fucked a lot of dudes? I feel like that's not communicated. And I looked at the cover of Save the Cat. So I need her again to mention just how hard she's been fucked. I did heroin off George Clinton's dick. There we go. There I said it. Yeah, but she gets done explaining that. And wouldn't you know it? David A.R. White has Tabitha's college acceptance letter. Boy, I sure hope she doesn't get kidnapped. <laughs> Jesus. And then, okay, so now Tom, the, the love interest from a, a couple of scenes ago, comes like stumbling and bloody into the church. <laughs> I thought he was going to have 350 grand again. I was <laughs> like, oh my God, if this movie just keeps going with this pattern for an hour and a half, it's fucking <laughs> And then David Arrow White is like, I was in Iraq and I killed children. It's like, what? Where are you? The next one's an ICE agent. I was at the border between Mexico. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to say it. I'm the one that orchestrated 9 11. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, David Arrow White. All right. So, yeah. So, the so bad guys come in and main bad guys and we know because we have a minor Baldwin in the scene. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I thought it was Steven, but he must have been doing like a bad Kirk Cameron movie. Exactly. The they couldn't get Steven. <laughs> it's uh, the B-list Christian movie Baldwin. Yeah, it's Billy. Yeah. Yeah. Will, William Baldwin comes in. I, you know who I feel bad for out of the Baldwins is I had to Google which Baldwin it was also, and, and I feel bad for, I thought that this one was the kind of worst, the lowest of the Baldwins, but there, I forget there's Daniel Danny, Baldwin. Yeah. Daniel Baldwin is like doing two, two episodes, he's oh. doing like an episode of uh, Cop Number 4 on CSI yeah. Miami right now, <laughs> and uh, at least like, at least this Baldwin has a name in the movie, you know? Yeah, <laughs> right, he, you look we, at did, him and did you're we like... do a Daniel Baldwin lead movie in like Alaska I, I, or something like that, right? I'm Pretty sure we did. Yeah, yeah. We've yeah, we've, we've, we've seen a lot of minor Baldwin's. Baldwins. He's kind of a big deal in our world. Just so you, know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you, so you don't insult Daniel. We call him Danny, but uh. he, we call him the D Dog here on God Awful Movies. Please save us from our terrible self-imposed punishment. I also had a moment when when this Baldwin walks in as the villain. I had a moment. He starts talking and, he, and he's got the Baldwin voice. And I need to know, like, when all these guys come on to set. Is there any moment that the directors are like talking to the producers and they're like, we need to get him to do the Alec voice? <laughs> yeah, Alec right, voice. Like, right. We're not going to know it's a Baldwin. He doesn't do the Alec voice. You know that happens, and he cries every time. But we can't say the Alec voice. What do we? What do we call it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're trying to get it to, him. they're like, can you do it a little like slower and more grovelly? And he's like, you want me to do the Alec? I'll just <laughs> no, want you to do the no, Alec. We want I, you to we, be I meant, yourself. Like, we didn't say that. No, we just I wanted it to be slower to and more grovelly. A Will Arnett voice. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> like an older Will Arnett that was like an executive if, at a at a If he had a, been in for a hunt SNL for Red Oct You know, like Lego Batman Will Arnett? Yeah. Like that? So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. So, so, yeah. So, all the gun guys come in. They're there for Tabitha. The black lady tells him to fuck off. So, gun guy behind her whacks her in the head with a gun. Because, you know, when you're gun guy, right? What are you <laughs> going to do? Me so happy. Because <laughs> the line was, you're in God's house. Pistol whip. And I stopped to, to laugh for a good couple of minutes. Oh. And, then, and then they're like, you won't get away with this as the bad guys are leaving. Pistol whip. I was yeah. so happy. Yeah, they pistol whip Davey. Well, it's funny. Like the ongoing joke for years has always been that, like in any in any uh, the black person is always the first to die in horror movies and pure flicks movies. Yep. That's kind of their thing. They, they set it up from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. This lady gets pistol whipped. 
to death. There's no reason, unless she's John Wick's fucking puppy in this movie, there is no reason for her to die at this moment. She could just be in the hospital and live through the movie, but no, well, they're like, now we got to baby thunder stuff in the hospital. Like there was exciting <laughs> things for this side character. Now, Noah, to be fair, if she had survived, she might've had to have a scene where she doesn't talk about how hard she used to get fucked. And I David A.R. White would not have that. I don't know that she would but okay yeah all right so yeah so then we get the next scene where they established that no she was definitely killed by the gun whacking he's like calling her next of kin going like yeah she got killed by a baldwin it was uh, it's no no not one that you would recognize probably <laughs> no no not alec that's was he either. at least doing the alec voice yeah he was, <laughs> he doing, was the doing the alec voice. Alec yeah voice. they made him do it <laughs> we had to shoot all afternoon but we got him to do it we tuckered him out always be selling <laughs> Now, so Tom, the, the love interest boy is there. He's all crying in the in the pews and everything. And Beckman turns to him and he's like, God damn it. Who were those people? What's the fucking plot? We're almost half an hour in. <laughs> and just to be clear, this is the plot. The love interest boy, black eye kid, met gangster Baldwin, who we will learn, by the way, is a fuck cult leader at work and happened to show him a video of his ex fuck cult member, when asking him advice about girls, that is the plot. This is oh, why David R. Yeah. White needs to stick to didn't believe in Jesus, but now I do. <laughs> yeah. And also, I just want to thank you for explaining that to me because I had multiple moments of like, what in the fuck is going on right now? Um, and that, that sets it up a little better for me. Maybe maybe David should hire you for the next one. <laughs> yeah, right. Right, you could do the fucking Star Wars scrawl or whatever. So, <laughs> I, okay, so then we have this amazing moment where David A.R. White calls, like, the Motel 6 version of the Continental, right? Yeah! <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's supposed to be a former hired killer, right? Yeah, yeah. And now he's calling back his old company? Is that what's happening here? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. He's... Okay. I want to see if there this are. is literally the plot of John Wick. They even have like a British woman that calls him Mr. Beckman yep. instead of Mr. Wick. Yep. And it's like, <laughs> actually, in our movie Faith Based, the actor that plays my dad, Lance Reddick, is the concierge at the Continental. So I could not stop laughing <laughs> oh, that's at the amazing. idea of like this movie. That's awesome. I didn't even think about that. Okay, so he's calling like the assassin hotline of yep. his old like it's a gig economy. <laughs> yeah. Like he was on Uber Killer, and now he's like getting back yeah. in as a driver. Yeah, yeah. now he's on Juno. Yeah. Yeah. But what's amazing is you know how you can't think about John Wick for more than seven seconds because then it's stupid, but you don't have to because it's like batang batang bright lights. Yeah, right. David Ayer White was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's slow this down and really focus on the minutiae of a hotel-based yeah, yeah. assassin system. Dude, this is that that is the best explanation for this I've heard. It is as if David A.R. White watched all three of the John Wick movies and thought the story was the best part. Yes. <laughs> it's like John Wick may be the I love John I love all of those movies. It may be the simplest story of all time. A man's dog is killed, he decides to kill everyone that killed dog. It's it's so simple. And David A.R. White was like, all right, we don't have money to do these action sequences or really nice lighting or any of these actors. What if we just focus on the story? Like, <laughs> <Exactly>. the, <fuck? laughs> the, the, the emotions they'd be going through at those times. Yeah. So, okay. So now it's time for chapter three. We cut back to 10 hours later, minus however much time that scene took. 
Keep the fuck up. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Two years, are 29 we in the days, now? 16 hours. Yeah, who the hell even knows? No, because there are still flip phones. But he's, so we cut back to him like where he had, he had driven down the dusty road or whatever. And he's, he's kicking in the door where there are these three comically large African-American gentlemen that he's going to have to fight for the next mm-hmm. action sequence. And this is where Jesus comes through and gives him the Batman voice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I want to talk about this scene because you know the scene in the action movie where the guy has a gun near him and the hero's like, uh, 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 except David Ayer White doesn't understand how that scene works. So the guy's just touching his gun and David Ayer White's don't, don't pick up that gun. <laughs> do not pick up that gun. Okay, you picked up the gun. Okay, do not pull the trigger of that. Do Okay, do not pull that trigger more than three to four times in my direction. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> well, and and Heath, I did you had a star sighting here that I missed. Oh. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I actually I, <laughs> I clicked on the cast thing. I watched it on on Prime, so like mm-hmm. four scenes ago, I clicked on the cast to check who somebody was, and then I saw Maverick Von Hogg is in this movie. Uh, this is where he shows that? up. He's the guy with the giant face tattoo. Luke, you're probably aware of his work in Sons of Thunder, episode two and three in the flashlights. (laughs) Because he's kind of a big deal. You've dedicated five years of your life to this. He's not quite a Daniel Baldwin, but he's up there on the uh, A-list. So, yeah. So, believe it or not, there is a pure flicks version of Sons of Anarchy. And and he plays oh the bad God. guy in that. So. I don't know how I've missed that. That's <laughs> They're amazing. Probably had parents who loved you. One of the things I did notice in this whole sequence, and again, there's so many times in this movie that my brain just goes to like imagining what the set was like. You know, I just keep having moments of like they they cut, and then what does David A. R. White do like in real life? And there was the, for sure my biggest moment of this was there's a shot where David A. R. White is like slowly stalking through a hallway with his gun, like a like an action hero. And it's like real slow and intense. And I just could not stop imagining him going back to like the monitor where everybody was and like watching playback and his like Viagra's kicking in and he's just like, play it again, play it again. How about even slower? Do it even slower yeah, this yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. Look into my own eyes. <laughs> Yeah, but he has a gunfight with the bad guys here. Good thing for Amy, they stormtrooper it the fuck up. He ends up killing everybody. And then he finds there's a damsel in distress, right? There's a kidnapped girl mm-hmm. in the back room of this place where he just okay. randomly <laughs> fired bullets. This was from David to us, this scene, right? <laughs> Amazing. Where he's just like, oh, heroin girl chained to the radiator. Well, gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) Make better decisions. Go fuck yourself. Bye. Yeah. He just takes his flip phone, dials, and leaves it in her hand. Yeah. Just such a, like, weird choice. (laughs) Right? He puts a bear trap on her head. I don't know. You figure it out. Whatever. You get out. You get out. You deserve it. He doesn't take two minutes to cut her loose. (laughs) And then he walks away from the house in slow motion. I would have bet... Good money. Money I need to survive that it was going to explode behind him with the well, girl so inside. He absolutely <laughs> I definitely does. definitely thought that was going to happen. Yeah, he absolutely does the the house behind me is about to explode while I'm walking away from it. Walk. But we're all like, no, the heroin girl's still in there. You just yeah. dialed 911 and handed her the phone. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. My other favorite part of this is when they when they when he leaves the heroin girl, we reveal that the door to her room is completely off the hinges and like laid out. 
but it wasn't like a a bomb went off. No. It was like gunfire happening, like bullet holes, I understand. Nobody unscrewed the door hinges. <laughs> it's like, like, what? Well, they didn't have the budget for hinges, apparently. Yeah. They didn't have a big hinge budget. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now, so he's got the bad guy's cell phone. He's killed everybody, right? So he's got the bad guy's cell phone, one of the bad guys that was involved in the kidnapping. And so he just starts calling all the numbers and going, hey, I think we need to do something about that girl we kidnapped. Hello. It's me, <laughs> yeah, yeah. your normal boss. We need to, we need to move Where is she? Just to, so I know that you know that I know. And again, this is the genius of David A.R. White, right? Only David A.R. White could write the scenes in an action movie no one wants to see, right? <laughs> Hello? Nope. Oh, no, you're a pizza place. Uh, also fuckers? <laughs> no, not fucking. Okay, sorry. I, I, oh, that's his grandma. Uh, hello, grandma. Oh, my God. That's so funny. I didn't Honestly, I didn't even process that while I was watching it. And now I'm thinking about it. And I'm just like, this is the dumbest part of the story. <laughs> right? Hello, Angelo's brick oven we need to move tabitha no that's stupid okay stupid dumb i wish he had just called everybody and asked if it was alec baldwin right uh, yeah. is this alec baldwin i'm looking for alec baldwin ah this is this is his brother uh oh daniel no no, no. This is, uh, William. Uh, oh Billy. steven no no oh okay all right okay hey, fuck you but uh, <laughs> but eventually we we do he does get in touch with uh willie baldwin uh-huh and they have their like big, you know, conversation, their big mano y mano conversation thing or whatever. <laughs> but, okay. He's trying to write William Baldwin as a crazy cult leader, but David A.R. White is a Christian. So he's like, you cannot scare me with your death and destruction. I have magic powers. And David A.R. White can't help himself. He's like, no, no, I have magic powers. <laughs> 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 I also love the idea that like uh, William Baldwin like he, it was his idea to be the leader of a sex cult like he was like all right you, what do you got $10,000 for my two days okay I'll do it but I also want to rewrite this so that I'm like with five young girls. <laughs> right yeah exactly all of you, whom I have already cast my character fucks <laughs> yeah, right cast. my character fucks we, we, I want to yeah, make yeah. sure and then they were like ah oh, shit right now we only have the African American lady uh, as the one that fucks and they're like alright we can, we, can we can make Billy fuck too <laughs> I will surround myself with the most beautiful fours Nevada has. <laughs> Do not try to fool me with a three in makeup. Yes. <laughs> All right. So then he gives him the ultimatum. He's like, you know, let Natalie go. I had to look up her name. It was, it was Tabitha, whatever her fucking name is. Let Tabitha go, or we'll have to do acts two and three. And he's like, uh, oh, I already killed that chick that the movie's about. My bad. Flash forward to 12 years ahead. 12 years later than long, what? Wait, minus <laughs> times zero plus two now, say back to normal. All right, yeah, so Beckman says to the bad guy, he's like, I'll see you soon. And I'm like, your line might as well have been toodles, dude. Come on, give me a fucking <laughs> break. No, you are. Me, 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 me. Are we still playing? No? No, okay. okay. But that does mean that we finally that. have ourselves a plot. So uh, while we drink in this masterful screenwriting, we're going to pause for another break. But we'll be back in a flash with even more Beckman. Ho, 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 ho. Hello there. Hi, Santa. So what's um a big boy like you doing coming to see Santa? 
Okay, I mean, adults can visit Santa also. Legally, we have to let us. We're yeah. allowed nope. to yes, visit Yes, I you. saw your very loud argument with my elf. An argument so. which I won with your yep. elf. Yes, you that. did. Yes, you did. So, this is legal. what do you want for Christmas? I want the number one wished for gift of the year. Manscaped. What's Manscaped? Oh, the Manscaped performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle and makes for the perfect gift. Ooh, sounds nice. What's in it? It's got the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, which is waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system, plus the Lawnmower 3.0 Trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, butt, and body. So wait, just to clarify, you waited in line for two hours and pushed a little boy over. Reclaimed my place in line from a little boy. Sure. So you did all that so you could ask Santa for a ball trimmer? Yes. Well, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code AWFUL at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code AWFUL. I can? You sure can. Now, what are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds and make Santa proud. I will, Santa. Thanks. Okay. Next, uh, what do you want? Well, Santa. <laughs> security! Damn it, not again. Ow. Ow. <laughs> Thank you for calling Murder Uber. For English, press 1. Para Español, marque 5. Thank you for calling Murder Uber. If you'd like to check the status of your murder, press 1. If you'd like Representative, to human being representative, please. One moment. God damn it. Thank you for choosing Murder Uber. Your call is very important to us. Please stay on the line and the next representative will be with you shortly. Many of your questions can be answered at MurderUber.com, where you can make a payment, place a new murder order, or schedule a current murder for a different... Uh, murder Uber, how can I help you? Yeah, thank you. Okay, great. So I'd like to put a hit out on Beckman. Ah, uh, all right. Let me uh, check that for you. Okay, so I see here that he's an assassin who gave up the murder life. So mm -hmm. yeah. I'm going to need to transfer you to that department. Seriously? No, no, I just called there. They transferred me here. Yeah, one second while I transfer you. God damn it. Thank you for choosing Murder Uber. Your call is very important to us. Please stay on the line and the next representative will be with you shortly. What? God damn it. I hate this system so much. And we're back for more of this shit. We're going to open up on Davey charging the Henchy's phone and flashing back to all his fond memories with Tabitha. <laughs> well, his memory of her detoxing. And I'm sorry, I just have to say this again. Quick reminder, detoxing is not lying in bed until all the heroin's gone. Please do not do that to yourself or someone else. <laughs> is it not? Because she just walks out of the bedroom and she's like, I feel unheroined now. Yeah, yeah exactly. I made a good 48 hours. I think I'm set, right? Also, between this scene and the title card, I actually genuinely don't know where we are in the movie right now. I think we're somewhere <laughs> in the second year from the beginning, but definitely not the third year. Right, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yes, we are 1.64 years after after the opening, at least, but not more than 2.2. Plus the exact 48 hours it takes to detox from heroin. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so she makes some 
childbirthing sounds that are supposed to be detoxing. And then he gives her a car that has a guitar in it. And he gives her a cell phone. Yeah. And the way he delivers this whole thing is so weird because he's basically like, I got you a car, which is basically, you know, uh, I don't know, five to $15,000, let's say. But then he makes a big point to be like, and here's a phone. It's not the newest one. Here's a guitar. It's not the best one. It's like you couldn't have given her the extra $25 for like the nicer phone. You, you got to give yeah. her a flip phone. Even right. You spent 15 grand on the car. And inside this guitar is a puppy. It's not a good one. It's not the good one. Like from John Wick. Yeah. Uh, it's not cute like that. He pulls a locket out of the puppy's ass. You know? I got okay. you the spoiler, though. So it's a shitty puppy, but a spoiler, right? Uh-uh. <laughs> All right, but but when she gets the cell phone, she's kind of afraid of it, right? She has, starts going into like mysterious backstory flashbacks and and asks if she's going to have to blow him for that or something. Right? <laughs> I blacked out on that part. Yeah. yeah. She says, "Are you sure nothing's ever for free?" And he's like, "Don't worry, you're with me now. I promise you'll never get kidnapped by bad guys again." Ah. <laughs> 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 oh. And then he comes out of the flashback and opens the letter and damn it, she had gotten into UC Berkeley. She was going <laughs> to date a guy named Ryan who just thought they were fuck buddies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that can be a positive thing if everybody's... <laughs> All right, so he's got this... Uh, so he, he gets a phone call from the Motel 6 Continental going like, later in the movie, you will have to repay your debt to the assassin syndicate. <laughs> and he's like, all right, is that going to be like an awesome action sequence? And they're like, nope, no, it will not. It will be so fucking stupid. And <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it. It's the best fucking you owe me assassin thing that I've ever seen it's in a movie. Pretty, pretty fucking solid. Also, up, 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 before you hang up, did you enjoy your last murder gig? How many stars, please? <laughs> Would you like to tip? You can enter a custom amount or, yeah. So, and then he starts calling random people out of the cell phone again. We get more of his, because this is working out so well for him, more of his calling up going like, did I just kidnap with you somebody with you earlier today? I'm forgetting who was there and who wasn't. Is this Alec Baldwin? This was the dumbest one. Too. <laughs> it was so oh, stupid. The post office. <laughs> oh my God. He calls up and he pretends to be from the post office. He's like, hello, <laughs> sir. I'm F Frederick Shapiro from the post office. And the, the guy's like, Post office, are you, you may okay? Have heard of it. You're you're like all Batman and angry. <laughs> are you? What's going on there? He's like, no, I'm normal. What <laughs> is your real regular address, please? It's a postal emergency. I need to know. <laughs> As we at the post office yeah. often call people to ask. Yeah, I, I had that moment where I was like, this was probably kind of like a David A. R. Wife improv, and I liked the idea that he was thinking like. Where would people just expect to get phone calls from on a regular basis? And he's just like, "Wait, hey, it's uh, you know, it's from the post office." Oh yeah, the post <laughs> office is always calling me to let me know about my packages. Like no one has ever fucking gotten the call. <laughs> Hello, this is Blockbuster Video. Uh, Stupid. No. <laughs> yeah. If there's one thing that the post office doesn't have, it's your address. Give it to me. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. It's so fucking stupid. All right. So he's driving to this house. All he knows is that it's a phone number that was in this guy's. Cell phone. So for all we know, he's driving to that guy's dentist's house. But don't worry, he's not. We know because the title card says Chapter Four, Janice. <laughs> so now he's when the assassins came in to kidnap the girl. One of them was a woman. So now he's going to kill the woman assassin or whatever, right? Yep. But a guy answers the door. 
Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And he's like, Janice from the title card? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, this guy also, he's like a nerdy little guy. And I will say, I think he steals the movie. Yes, like, this guy absolutely. should be the star Best. of Beckman too. Yes. <laughs> this, this guy will spend the entire movie calling out this movie for being absurd and I want him in every action movie from now on. (laughs) Yeah, he's just walking around the house like, what is going on in this movie? (laughs) When is it? Yeah. So, okay, so the character is supposed to be this assassin chick's husband who doesn't know she's an assassin. This is very true lies. They're trying to go for like a <laughs> right. true lies situation. But let's keep in mind before this is over, we're going to establish that she has a bunch of kidnapped girls in her basement. So what did he think they were doing there? Yeah, yeah. That's just where my, my wife keeps her computers. She's a computer salesman. <laughs> she has a live-in book club. It's fun. I'm not allowed to check. And, and, and David Arroway comes in full-on Batman voice here where mm-hmm. he's just straight up like, where is she? Where is she? Who? What? And yeah, and the guy's like, yeah. oh, do you want money? I have money. <laughs> but yeah, but he calls his wife and her and his brother-in-law in apparently. And that's when we learn it's the chick from earlier. I love how that happens too. The guy's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, man. Uh, wh- you, fuck cult? Uh, henchmen? What are you saying? <laughs> the bald ones? And David Arroyd's like, okay, well, is your wife maybe uh, like a henchwoman? For a fuck cult, <laughs> and he has to call his wife in, be like, "Honey, honey you are <laughs> you a fuck cult henchwoman?" <laughs> and yes, she is. There are girls in our basement. What? what? <laughs> I also like that brother-in-law comes in and he goes, "You think you're the first guy to point a gun at me?" And it's <laughs> it's like he got the first half of a tough guy line because then he gets interrupted, but. It was just such a weird flex. Like, I'll have you know several people have pointed <laughs> guns at me. <laughs> and then he's got that weird moment where, like, uh, Beckman's going, like, hold up your hand so he can shoot yeah. him. Um, this was the weirdest. This was, like, his big threat was, like, I'm going to shoot everyone's hand. Yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> you, put your hand up. I'm going to aim my gun at it. You, I'm actually going to shoot your hand. You, put your <laughs> other hand up. I might shoot it. Okay. <laughs> now put your left Someone hand do a in. Foot. I thought this would be more impactful. Shake Somebody it all about. Um, yes. <laughs> so fucking stupid. But yeah, so after, before he can shoot her husband, she spills the beans and tells him about the other two main bad guys, Reese and Frank. So now we get this amazing scene. It's like the, like, you know, family going on vacation and the kids are bitching in the back seat scene, uh-huh. except it's David A.R. White has taken these three people hostage and they're driving him to the bad guys, but it plays out exactly the same. They're, they're trying to shoot this <laughs> ominous scene, but they're using someone's mom's minivan. Oh. <laughs> I well have watch this. Frozen. We always watch Frozen. <laughs> Might as well have the stick figure family and one of them has a gun on the back of the yeah, this entire scene was fantastic. Oh, the the husband whiny bitch character the whole time is going, this makes no sense. Why don't you just let me out? I'd be in the middle of nowhere. I couldn't even do anything. <laughs> but eventually he goes for the gun because he's like, well, if no one else is going to initiate the fucking action sequence, I'm going to do it. Truly, truly. <laughs> <laughs> and as they're all escaping the car, and this truly one of my favorite moments, it will be outdone later in the film. I have to admit that. But he shoots brother-in-law in the car while they're struggling for the gun. And as they're all running away from the car, brother-in-law runs around the car so he could die on camera. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
Over five. I get crafty. You have to let me sit with the named cast. Well, yeah, and the woman, run, the henchwoman runs off into the woods. So our hero shoots a woman in the back to death, or at least that's what he thinks, right? Very heroic of him. Uh-huh. But, yeah, it turns out she was just playing possum. Uh-huh. She faked getting shot in the back with a gun. Yep. Yep, so that the guy with the gun could catch up with her in hopes of using her rock smash plan. <laughs> and so here's the thing. She knocks him unconscious by smashing a rock into his brain. Like, this is the second time in the movie someone's knocked him unconscious with fucking head trauma. This guy would have so much brain damage at this point. And this is only the beginning. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Uh, now, see, Noah, now I want to watch that movie. Well, Mr. Beckman... It would seem that despite the bump on your head and that trip over the bridge, you have survived. Survived to, to kill my men and destroy my business. But that won't happen again, Mr. Beckman. Not today. Not ever again. Ammo quacko. Sorry, what? Yeah, yeah, boss. I think we might have might have done some damage when we knocked him out just now. Ammo quacko. Oh. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. And remember earlier when he uh, he had that bat fight with Jonesy? Uh, he got hit in the head with a bat at, at least twice during that. Ammo quacko, ammo quacko. Right. Right. So, do we still kill him? I don't know. That just feels mean, right? Yeah. I mean, what are we, Texas? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. All right. Well, you're free to go, Mr. Beckman. But I better never see you again. You, how? Ammo quicker. All right, so he wakes up from his unconsciousness. <laughs> I thought you just meant the movie of David A.R. White getting hit in the head. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good movie, too. I mean, I'd watch that, too. Yeah, huh? All right, so he wakes up tied to this chair, flashing back to more Tabitha memories, of course. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is the, uh, the flashback to the time he accidentally stood between, like, like trapped her in a closet with where he was standing accidentally, and she freaked the fuck out. I also love that there's, like, no real method to the madness of their flashbacks. Like, no. Sometimes they're memories. They go into his face as he goes to him. Sometimes they're just for us to enjoy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah. So, again, she's like, you know, I never want to talk about my complex backstory again. And he's like, OK, all right, well, we'll we'll have another flashback soon, I'm sure. And then he wakes up in the basement fuck dungeon chained to the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he's chained like really efficiently. Like there was like custom retrofitting of this basement yeah. for chaining people up. <laughs> yeah. We'll find out it's not as it's not as well done as you, you'd think upon looking at it. But yeah. <laughs> I feel like that contractor guy needs to ask more questions. <laughs> <laughs> it's my live-in book club. So, yeah, but this is Janice's basement, the chick that he was trying to kill. And she's got a bunch of other ladies chained up there because every other scene has, like, ladies chained to something in it. Yeah, that was in David's Rider. That black lady always had to talk about how many people she fucked and every uh -huh. other scene needs a chained girl in a basement. Yes. Or an unconscious girl in a chair, one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so, but we learn... 
hear that one of the ladies shade in the basement with him has gotten her hand out of her out of her binds. She's like, I have a free hand. I mostly use it not to brush the bangs out of my face. <laughs> and then we have uh, Janice coming downstairs and it's supposed to be all ominous because she's coming down there with a kitchen knife to kill him. But she's wearing Skechers and yeah, we're focused. It's hard to shoot <laughs> ominous Skechers. It's true. <laughs> comfortable, comfortable. Yeah, <laughs> this this was also leads into like one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in a movie where where she, where she just starts carving him up. Yeah, it's like what? Like she's talking to him and just slashes his face and slashes his chest, and she's just it's just like is this just some sort of like sick fantasy? Like what does this have to do with anything? <laughs> well, because he's got to be all John Wick levels of beat up before it's over. But yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just this bizarre fetish moment as it stands. And, and did they have a moment? Because obviously, like they. Pure Flix has to hit their parameters to somewhat hit their audience. And so does he have like a person that's kind of like the MPAA, but for like uh, Christian moms. Right. It's like, how much can we do? And she's like, all right, you can slash him up, but like three slashes. So like a cheek, <laughs> a forehead, no throats, definitely no throats. You know? This is where the one million moms funding comes from. They oh, are his go. MPAA. Yeah. We're only going to get three Dove Awards if, if we slash the throats. So slash the cheek and the forehead. Don't play stuck in the middle with you. Don't. No, no ears. All right. And then here's how fucking lazy the writing is. Here's how he gets out of it. He slips his foot out of the shackle. I really wanted girl who got her hand free to be like, seriously, he's been here one day. This is bull. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've been working on this for three weeks trying to get out of this thing. So, I bit my thumb off. Oh, fuck you guys. You're very small. So, yeah, so they have a little <laughs> wrestle fight. And eventually, Wendy, the girl with the hand free, grabs the discarded knife, stabs Janice in the back. Now, the Janice character runs upstairs to, I guess, get her gun or whatever with the knife sticking out of her back and I'm sure that's not supposed to be hilarious. Oh, it, uh -huh. it is the only thing that outdoes the run around the car to die. Ah, exit yeah. stage left. Ah, yeah. she, she literally holds the banisters as she runs yes. upstairs to die. This entire, this, this sequence with Janice like leading up to her running down the stairs, uh, I couldn't tell if I thought this was either the worst acting in the entire movie or if it was the one actor in the movie that was like, fuck it. I know what movie I'm in. Let's do this. Yep, and just yeah. like went for it. Uh, oh, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. <laughs> so, yeah. So she goes upstairs and dies. Wendy, the girl who got her hand free, uncuffs herself and, and Backman. Now he goes up. Now, of course, before she got herself killed, she called Reese and Frank the remaining two main bad guys. So now they're coming. And David A.R. White's got the drop on him. But by the time Billy Baldwin shows up, he's like, hold on a second. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What if somebody got a foot free and kicked her, then another person got a hand free and stabbed her after she called me? I better call just to make sure. Right? Because he's no sucker. <laughs> Oh, I really wanted him to answer the phone in a lady voice. Please answer the phone in a lady voice. Huh? Hello. Hello. It's me, Janice. <laughs> From the post office. No, I, come on. Wait, wait. I'm, no. 
I'm from a, the assassination. I'm Janice. Who knows you? I'm <laughs> you're from the post office. But yeah, but so uh, Billy Baldwin calls him, and they have and he does his like evil monologue bullshit every goddamn time he speaks in this movie. It's this three minute Deepak Chopra trying to fuck you at a coke party <laughs> nonsense monologue. I, I guarantee you, there was. I guarantee there was moments in in pre production. Where David A.R. White or whoever it is at Pure Flix got the script and was like, listen, guys, if we're going to get any of the bald ones except for maybe Daniel, we need to beef up these. <laughs> yes, right, right. And they were like, you know, because like Stephen or Billy, they're going to read this and they're not going to think it's enough, guys. <laughs> it's such absolute trite bullshit. And we're going to end up with fucking Daniel in Alaska again. And we don't want that. <laughs> Oh, all right. This was punched up to William level. That's correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love this monologue, too. He's like, oh, Mr. Beckman, you and I, we could have done ayahuasca in the desert together <laughs> and then talked about it too much to our friends who weren't there, Mr. Beckman. <laughs> we could have gone on Joe Rogan together. This is uh, William Baldwin high as fuck. Fuck, like just like literally riffing and they're just like just record just record yep. Joe. <laughs> yep <laughs> exactly so he, and he hangs up with Beckman and and then he turns to his driver who's the other main bad guy and the other main bad guy's like hey man you want to watch out for this guy you should get out of town while you still can the Koreans call him the demon and Baldwin's like why and they're like uh because boogeyman in Romanian was taken I guess we didn't have a thing <laughs> and then we see a mass email from oh my Uber god Killer. yes <laughs> from uber killer. uber killer app mass emails all their their gig people and it's just like everyone kill beckman go and his two friends there yeah. you go yeah there's a hundred thousand dollars well because of this amazingly terrible fucking line wait i, I wrote it down because it was so goddamn bad at the end of the conversation with billy baldwin he says to Beckman, and I quote, if death is all you value, then I will rain it down upon you. <laughs> so, so that's him raining death upon, uh, down upon him. Put a $100,000 price on Beckman's head and $10,000 on like all his known associates. <laughs> I really wanted him to get other spam emails from Uber Murder. Just like in these trying times of COVID, Uber Murder has come to get shut the just stop. Don't, I don't want an email from Uber Murder about how you're handling COVID. Stop it. I don't like it. So You already wear masks. <laughs> all right. So we go to chapter five, Tom, and all of us go like, wait, who the fuck is that a character we've met now? But he was the love interest for Tabitha that led them to the church in the first place so they could kidnap her. He's that kid, the kid with the black guy. He's the kid whose dad died of cancer or whatever, and Beckman was just like, well, at least you got the studio apartment all yeah. yourself. Yeah, <laughs> that guy. Yeah, exactly. You had the good chair now, right? Right by the TV. Good angle. <laughs> nice. <laughs> all right, so yeah, so he goes to Tom's place. Tom isn't there, and while he's there, wouldn't you know it, a husband and wife assassin team shows up. Oh, you love a power couple. You love to see a power couple. So they come in, they're working together. Good teamwork. Good teamwork between the two. I'm going like, hey man, isn't this a fucking religious movie? Why the hell are we here? 
And this, this is just another, like, there's so many moments in this movie. Obviously, John Wick's the big one. But you have so many moments where you know David A.R. White was, like, watching a bunch of these types of movies and was just, like, pulling and pulling mm-hmm. and pulling. And this was clearly his, like, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Like, yep. not only will we have a couple, Absolutely. but we'll make them kind of funny, even though there's no other humor <laughs> in the entire fucking movie. Like, it, Mr. and Mrs. Smith is one tone the whole movie. It's like a funny action comedy. There's no comedy in this entire movie. He just all of a sudden has, like, his Mr. and Mrs. Smith two minutes. Yeah. So weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so they're, they're, like, watching each other's back. So to get them, he's going to have to split them up. So he coaxes the chick into the room and then locks the door with like that shitty ass lock that you put on a teenager's bedroom door. <laughs> he might as well flip a sign on the outside of the door from open to closed and the husband spends the whole time banging on it. The six figure assassin with a gun can't get through that door. Okay. <laughs> Even though in the last firefight, bullets fully took the door off the hinges. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. The doors in this universe won't even stay on the hinges. So so we get some great uh, David A.R. White hitting a woman choreography, which is nice. <laughs> but they can't go all the way to having him kill a woman in the movie. So they settle on some convoluted bullshit where the husband finally bursts through the door and in so doing knocks her face into the corner of a nightstand to death. Yes. <laughs> God, it's so stupid. All right, so he fights her. Then he's got to fight the dude with a pan. It was a pan fight <laughs> at this point. And just as he's taking him out, right, just as he's finishing this guy off, Tom wanders in and sees him shooting this guy in the head in the middle of Tom's apartment. That's right. Tom, wait. And can I just say that the take they chose for Tom to have on this action movie of but murder is illegal is (laughs) fabulous. Look, I've seen a lot of fucking escort mission movies, but this is the first one where imagine if all through The Last of Us, Ellie had just been like, you know, killing is wrong, even if someone's a zombie. Yeah, so, but the kid runs out. He's like, oh, my pastor's a murderer. And he's like, no, don't run off. God damn it. This is stupid. (laughs) Again. Yeah. David A.R. White nails the scenes that we don't want to see in every action movie, like chasing down the sidekick because there's been a misunderstanding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's seen you do your whole job of the movie, which is assassinate people. Yeah. Yeah, so, but he, he chases down Tom and convinces him to get in the car with him. And Tom's giving it like, he's like, look, man, I'm a dark assassin and they've come and they've killed Tabitha and I'm taking vengeance. And he's like, yeah, man, but this is a Christian movie. It's pure flicks. You can't just shoot people the whole time. I'm not just <laughs> shooting them. There's well, I, I, honestly, this whole movie to me is such a perfect example of like the hypocrisy that so much of, of the Christianity that I grew up on is like my dad, we would be allowed to watch like every commando predator type movie, but like you can't see boobs. Yep. You know what I mean? Like you're in high school and you're like, you can't get a handy. That's terrible. But we will allow you to watch like 300 people be decimated in this movie. And we will force an ABCs on you at four years old. that has death and genocide in it. Yeah. Like this whole movie is like a pastor going around murdering like dozens of people. And that's on pure flicks but you'll never see like a remotely realistic uh, relationship scene in pure flicks because uh, that would go against what it's like to be high school dating. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, there's also this great moment. Okay, so now a bad guy shows up, right? Another assassin has showed up to try to kill him. This is the administrator. The administrator is awesome. And we're going to spend a minute on the administrator. But before we do, I have to point out this great line <laughs> where Tom goes, hey, man, why don't you go faster? And, uh, and David A.R. White goes, only idiots get into car chases with their big idiot budgets. <laughs> with their big idiot budgets. Oh, and if they tried to get William Baldwin to do the Alec voice, man, did they try to get the administrator to do the mysterious Asian voice. Yes. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he's an assassin whose gimmick is nope. Nope. <laughs> but no, his gimmick is wearing a suit and tie and having ink pens in his pocket protector. <laughs> yeah, it, honestly, this guy's outfit in this movie is literally like a Halloween Town costume you got for nerd. <laughs> yes! It was just like, we've got the tape on the glasses, we've got the pins in the pocket, he's the nerd assassin. If he turned around, there would have been a kick me sign on his back. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He's Dwight Schrute. Yeah! With like yeah. a short... Yeah. Yes. Dress shirt. Basically, with a Mr. Miyagi accent. Yeah, exactly. And again, just to clarify, he is called the administrator. Oh Why God. do they call him the administrator? Because. No, no, no. No one has lived long enough to find out is the actual oh. answer. I really wanted the kid to respond. Well, then how does anyone know he's called the administrator? <laughs> so someone has lived long enough to know he's called the administrator. But then there's a, the death has started at the follow-up questions. <laughs> <laughs> he shouted out to somebody, he's called the administrator. <laughs> there's there's so many moments in this sequence, too. It's like a big fight sequence between he and the, and the nerd. And, like, I actually kind of started to feel bad for whoever the DP was of this movie. Because you can tell they're, like, they're doing their best. But David A.R. White is like, I need this to look like John Wick. And the DP is like, David, we have one light. And David's like, make it look like John Wick. It's like... Well, and also, we should point out, like, the administrator is a hefty fellow, right? He's not a thin, in-shape kind of guy. The moment at which they asked this Asian gentleman whether or not he knew Kung Fu was ha! 34 seconds after someone yelled action for this fight scene. <laughs> you know karate, right? What? No. There's... Wah, wah. Why are you assuming that? Okay. <laughs> you know breakfast at Tiffany's, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. All right. And then, so this big fight scene starts. They've really sold this one bigger than any of the other fight scenes in the movie to this point. And then David A.R. White just Gets his ass kicked. <laughs> Which, don't get me wrong, I'm all for it. It's not the laziest version of David A.R. White can't do fight choreography this movie's going to present us with. That's coming up. But it's pretty close because instead, they're just going to have the administrator sit down and be like, oh, I beat the shit out of you. Um, Okay, I'll tell you what. Uh, give me a good haiku and I'll let you live. Fucking <laughs> Right. Well, there's but first he's got to make an excuse. Like the the guy he just who just whipped his ass has got to be like, well, the sun was obviously in your eyes just now, right? Because he goes, <laughs> he goes, well, you were already very injured. You are way more badass than that fight choreography would have suggested in real life, though. I'm sure. <laughs> there's also, I know it's just a tiny moment, but I have to talk about it. Before the administrator sits down to do the "Why I'm going to spare you" monologue, he straightens his tie dramatically. But the actor doesn't know that that's a gesture with a purpose. So he just wiggles <laughs> he just his tie back and forth and it's not straightened when he's done. 
<laughs> but yeah, but he's like, all right. He's like, if you answer this question correctly, I'll let you live. If I don't kill you, what will you do? And he's like, act three. And he's like, all right. Yeah, no, that's a good answer, man. Yeah, yeah sure. That's I mean, a good, pretty good answer. <laughs> All right, well, I'll tell you what. That resolution was so stupid that I need to celebrate. So we're going to take another quick break. But first, let me give Act 3 the hard sell. Did the pitch for this movie include the words, okay, but I'll kill them Christianly? Is David A.R. White doing okay after the divorce? <laughs> Does he need somebody to talk to, buddy? Find out the answers to different questions and more when we return for the splodastic conclusion of Beckman. Michael Dubois, welcome. To the League of Assassins. Oh, happy to be here. So, what should we call you? Oh, um, Michael is fine, but, but Mike is okay. No, uh, no, I mean your, like, cool assassin name. Oh, I, I think I'm fine without one. I'll just, you know, uh, shoot people to death for money. No, no, don't be ridiculous. Of course you need a cool assassin name. You do? But yeah, but, oh, who are we going to hire to kill the Prime Minister of Chechnya, the Boogeyman of Moscow, the Silent Demon, or Mike? Yeah, let's hire Mike. Yeah, okay, fair point. I just, I don't have a thing, you know, so um, not sure what you would call me. Okay, um, oh, here's a scary one. What about the beekeeper? And you could, like, dress up like a beekeeper. It seems like that would make, you know, killing people harder. Okay, right. No, I see that. Okay, the the doorman of death. Do I have to dress like a doorman? Well, I, I figured that you would. I thought. <sighs> um, yeah, I'd, I'd kind of like to avoid anything costume-based. Okay, well, fine. Then you think of something. I've come up with two already. Mr. Mr. Gunshoots. Who, who shoots people with a gun? It, so you're not even trying. <laughs> and we're back for more of this shit we're going to open up on Davey and Tom going to see the gangster guy from the uh, Polly from the beginning at his self storage place <laughs> okay but it's not exactly a self storage place well you can store no. yourself there um, <laughs> yeah no it turns out to be so much more than it seems okay is, is the whole thing a secret prison that looks like storage cubes, or does he do both? Does he have one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like you have to have a few regular stories, because like, people will show up occasionally to rent the thing, right? <laughs> he's, he's taking someone on a tour. Now, uh, you, you want to store this stuff while you move to Las Vegas with your girlfriend. Uh, do your books and paintings need a toilet by any chance? Because then I can't recommend Are they, are they likely enough. to try to escape? Yeah. This was definitely a moment where I had a quick, like, uh, I, I was watching and, and all of a sudden it cut to the exterior of the self-storage place. And then I kind of like, I don't know, I got a text or something and I looked down for like maybe 15 seconds <laughs> and I looked back up and they were like locking the kid in the jail. And I was like, what is happening what? in this movie? <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> is that William Baldwin with Face paint? What is happening in this movie? So I guess because the assassins are looking for Tom, they're going to lock him in this secret prison for a little while. Why the fuck even introduce this to your goddamn movie? But before they can lock him away, he has to give David A.R. White some more like, but be Christian and turn the other cheek and don't kill people for murdering your adopted daughter shit. Okay, 
seriously, I let this guy punch me. Remember my black guy from the beginning? I let him punch me. And then later he came up and was like, hey, what the fuck? And now he loves Jesus. Anyways, this is mm-hmm. a pure flicks yeah. movie. I'm just going to close this down. <laughs> yes, that's Locks. what he does. <laughs> Great. Okay, Paulie, I need a bunch of bullets to kill people. I'm killing people. <laughs> that's exactly how it plays out. Really wanted muffled from the behind the metal. Oh, <laughs> in, in my mind, there's also a world where like they had they had Polly for one day and they had shot like the majority of the beginning stuff. And then they were just like, ah, shit, we got two more hours. Should we just like lock up the kid and have like Polly have a little bit here? (laughs) Burt Young was like, yeah, I got to go down to self-storage. I've got to sell. Yeah, I got to sell my uh, my signed Rocky script. Uh (laughs) (laughs) All right. So now we get chapter six. Frank, who's Frank? Fuck you. He's the God, Jesus. He's not the he's the <laughs> driver. The, he's the third of the four guys that were there when they kidnapped the chick. I are think, we going to go see Frank? No, no, we are not. Nope. It's chapter six, Frank. So we cut to a chick with a nose ring, and I'm like, okay, well then fuck you. If you're not trying, I'm not trying. Yeah. <laughs> oh. This is the second time in a row they have had the chapter be a person's name, and then the first main person to appear is not that person. <laughs> it's not that person, yes. Very clearly. Yes. Not Frank. Yeah. No. <laughs> this is Kara. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And she's just on she's on the phone with Uber Killer HR. Yep. Just being like, All right, I I cracked the firewall. I'm going to kill some, I don't know, five stars though, right? You can't, also, you can't just claim we're all independent contractors. That's bullshit. You get, we should get like health insurance. It's a lot of people in the gig economy. This is also just, again, this is probably the 12th time that David A.R. White has watched a, a movie and be like, I'm just going to pull from that. So he clearly, in his research, watched the girl with the dragon tattoo and yep. was like, oh, this is what <laughs> hackers look like. Let me yep. give her dark hair and a nose ring. And so everyone knows that she's a hacker. Yep, exactly. Oh, but again, this nose ring is, this is nose ring <laughs> via the world of Pure Flix. Someone just gave her the purity ring and was like, don't put it all the way in your nose. Yeah, this okay? was somebody's wedding ring. They taped on. Uh, <laughs> Ferdinand the Bull looks at this ring and is like, oh, "Okay, <laughs> insulting." Also, I want a thousand hours of this, either improvised or written by idiots. Hacker talk. She's like, "Oh, you think you know me? I have your thumbprints. I have your fingerprints. I have computer words, USB drive." <laughs> yeah, listen, Doss. I will take you down right now. That's Miss Doss to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> what computer words do you have? Um, <laughs> but yeah, but so her she name gets is off- Mavis Beacon. Sorry, good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, but so she gets off the phone with that guy, and she glances over, and she sees David I R White, and she runs from him because he wants to. He runs good like Tom Cruise. Damn it, he wants everybody to see <laughs> him oh, yeah, run. Real nice. We get to watch him run here. It's the best. I was really happy. <laughs> but again, David Arrow White has created a brilliant character that I want in every action movie because in every action movie where there's a John Wick or a Terminator or whatever, everyone just assumes when he says, I'm a good guy now, that he's a good guy now. But this character will spend the entire movie being like, you're going to shoot me in the face. No, I'm not going to shoot you in the face. <laughs> you're going to shoot me in the face. Just so you know, I'm mad at you for shooting me just now when you are going to. <laughs> 
But so before we can get to any of that, though, he's chasing her and he walks into this room with, again, these comically large guys who just happen to be in that warehouse chopping someone to death at that moment. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, it's literally like a youth pastor with a spray tan walks in and is like, I'm going to fight off three of the biggest thugs you've seen with like, and he grabs like a baking pan or something. Yes. Yes. He does. My guy would probably, my character would probably need a weapon in this case. But yeah, yeah. he's like, wait, what are you guys doing here? And, they, and they're like, yeah, we're the fight scene that Kara keeps around in case she has to run from somebody. It's a whole thing. Honestly, we thought we, she was wasting her fucking time until now. But uh, <laughs> here you are. It's our time to shine. <laughs> oh, and one of the guys who sort of comes out of nowhere is the main character of Sons of Thunder. Yeah. And I had oh. this existential terror moment where I was like, Sons of Thunder guy! And then I was like, I'm so fucking sad at how excited I got. (laughs) (laughs) An actor from a Christian series I've watched three episodes of. Oh, I'm so with you, Eli. I'm so with you. Yeah, I also had just like such, again, just a funny moment of like, you know that David, I think he lives in like Arizona or somewhere, and you know that he goes to like an Equinox, like you know he goes to like one of those kind of gyms, and I just, I could not stop imagining him on like the butterfly machine, like checking his phone and like flirting with a personal trainer, like, yeah, I'm training for this action movie called Beck, but I play Beckman. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the name Just of it. up my traps for the. Yeah, I'm gonna have to do this big run. It's like through an alley, and I'm probably gonna have to do the run like 25 times. I don't know. Uh, you know, like I'm doing all my own stunts in this one. So he's also a regular at a very shitty brewery that they rented for like uh-huh. three hours. So that's where they are again. That's where the the fight with the administrator was. And yeah. then they're just in like a side room of the same A place. different one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's using brewery stuff, like a baking tray that yep. they have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's fighting with these two guys. They get the best of them for a second. And there's like, so you got like the three huge, large people. And then you've got the skinny little boss guy telling him what to do. And he's like, get the drill, drill him in the head. And the one guy's like, well, you pay the fucking bills, man. I'll get the, <laughs> get the drill. But of course, Beckman ducks just then. And so one of the big guys ends up drilling the other big guy in the face. <laughs> and I'm like, is this, this is pure flicks, right? Okay. All right. Still pure flicks. All right, then. All right. Grab the beer tap. Try to tap his face. I don't know. What? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so then, yeah, so, but he beats up all of the guys. That's a universal sentence. You could probably just use that for the majority of the movie, and we could wrap this thing up in like a five minute <laughs> podcast. It's like, uh, long story short, uh, David Ayer White ends up beating up the guys, beats up all the guys. <laughs> yeah. TLDW. E- end of Beckman. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right, but yeah, but this, if you recall, this was just so that he could talk to the hacker chick. He finally gets to her and he's like, look, I was not looking for a whole big fucking action sequence. I just need you to hack shit. (laughs) And of course, she's like, yeah, but you're going to shoot me in the face. (laughs) So, all right, so she's here basically just to give us all of the remaining exposition, right? She, She explains to us that Billy Baldwin is a billionaire and a sex cult leader and he's off the grid and she can't find him, but she knows where the other guy is. 
Yes. Which did also remind me, I had a moment during this whole scene where I was like, shouldn't we have seen Billy Baldwin like uh, again at some point? Like, get the main bad guy in the movie that you see. And again, it's like, could they not have, I, I had a moment here of like, could they not afford the third Billy Baldwin day? Yeah. And so it's just kind of like everybody else can tell these stories. <laughs> yeah, right. There is an awful lot of other people talking about things he said, isn't yeah. there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Billy Baldwin would like you to know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah so the the hacker chick tells him where the third of the four bad guys is this is frank and she has this amazing stupid fucking line she's as, as the scene's ending she says do me a favor when you find him kill him twice <laughs> <laughs> and beckman's like what and she's like it sounded good in my head like now that i say it it's it's obviously it's stupid but it's <laughs> and good. luke you want to talk about high fives people had to go to the hospital after they came up with kill him twice <laughs> In the writer's room. Yeah, there's a few of those lines in there that you know they were like, fuck, yes, I'm calling it a day. What a, well, you know. fudge, yes, but yeah, exactly, exactly. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's the thing. You, you can murder 500 people in this movie, but I guarantee, I guarantee there was a moment where they were filming one of these fight scenes, and in the actual acting of it, one of the guys, you know, he got hit wrong or something, and he was like, fuck. And, and David R. White was probably like, hey. Yep. You can't, you cannot <laughs> curse in this movie. And he's like, well, you just drilled into like that guy's head. You shot all these people. No, you don't use the Lord's name in vain in this they movie. They shut the set down like Robert Pattinson got COVID. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This, speaking of Batman, this was Christian Bale's like big rant moment, but David A.R. White had, and it was like, God damn it. You cannot speak like this in pure flip films. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. So, yeah. So, Davey drives inevitably towards the finale, arriving at third main bad guy's business. And of course he has to like he has to fight the bouncer before he can get into the club where the guy works. <laughs> yeah. He has to fight him off camera. Yeah. yeah, they didn't have time to shoot that one. They were like, oh, we got 30 minutes. Threaten him. Uh, start to move towards him. We'll cut <laughs> yeah. out. You know? Imagine how badly the fight choreography went in this scene. What what digital uh, files are floating out room. there in the world that we missed out on where even yeah. David Ayer White was like, we should probably cut that fight scene where you can watch me poop. Yeah. In my mind, it's like something where like David A.R. White went to like headbutt the guy and the guy moved and, and actor David A.R. White just went like falling <laughs> off the thing or something. Like he just fell off the balcony and they were like, oh, I can't use uh, that. Yeah. So instead we watched this fight through the eyes of this chick that's that's like freaked out. He's beating up this big bouncer. She goes to call the cops. He gets done with a fight, points a gun at her and he says, hit end. <laughs> I'm like, when was this movie made? The girl, when she was graduating on her mortarboard, it said class of 2019. What do you mean hit end? Hang up the handset. What? Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus Christ, dial zero for operator. Yeah, what yeah. are you talking about? Anyway, so yeah, so he goes into the club and he comes up to the main bad guy. The main bad guy is sitting with two like, ancillary bad guys from different movies or something. Yeah, this this table to me was like somebody made like the low-budget Dick Tracy. Yeah. And they were like, throw a few of them, these character actors in here all around the table for whatever reason. <laughs> so, it should also be the premise to a bad joke about walking into a bar would yeah. be ideal. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I love like they, they're about, so he kicks out the other two bad guys. He's like, you're probably being looked by some other assassins who thought they were out of the game. You go do your own thing. And they're, they're about to have this conversation, but then like the two characters realize that 
it's too loud there for them to have this conversation. <laughs> so he's like, oh, I was really looking forward to a shouty nightclub back and forth with the final villain. <laughs> You'll never get away. I'm so sorry. What? Who likes this? Who likes this? Who is enjoying this environment? What? Do you want to dance? Do you want what? Do you want to get a beer? They're only $19. <laughs> All right. So they go back to his office. And of course, there's a passed out hot chick. I think she's a wrestler. I don't know. What? Randomly. The the chick that was passed out in his office there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She was uh, in the WWE family at one point. Yep. Okay. That actor. Yep. They like got a WWE person and then they were like, she was, she showed up on set and she was like, so what am I doing? Like a big fight sequence or what do you want me to kind of like, I'm probably the best stunt person here. And they were like, no, we're not going to utilize your 15 years of being in the WWE. We want you to just be hot and asleep in this chair for literally yep, no reason. Exactly. We will not even address How are you, you. drooling? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So he, so he goes back there with the main bad guy and the main bad guy is like, hey, let me tell you exactly where. Billy Baldwin is, there's only like 12 minutes of runtime left. <laughs> and he's like, you can't just tell me where he is. I still have to kill you dramatically for the movie to work. It's so good. Again, <laughs> these action tropes need to stay around. He's like, tell me where your boss is. And he's like, dude, I'll give you fucking Google Maps. I don't like that guy. And he's like, oh. <laughs> uh, wow. So funny. That kind of fucks the stakes of the scene. I hope I don't get a phone call from the ping a ling a ling a ling ping a ling a ling a ling <laughs> Yeah. Oh, God. This is where he gets the phone call from the Uber killer where they want to cash in on that debt. But the cashing in on the debt is they want him to not kill this guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What a brilliant follow through for that setup. Mr. Beckman, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is nothing. <laughs> this scene. Yeah, I wish they had been like, Mr. Beckman, we've been watching this movie, and honestly, you as an assassin is just not working out. So the way that your debt will be cleared is if you just wrap this up now. What if you were a priest at a traditionally black church? Do you think maybe? <laughs> yeah, but then, okay, so he's about to leave, right? He's, he's, he's thinking about just letting this guy live because it wouldn't really make sense in the sequence. But then he notices that sitting right beside this man's desk, for reasons that I am fascinated to learn, he has a yearbook of all the girls he's killed. Yeah. With X's over the ones he's killed. It, it, they literally, whoever the production designer was, set this up like it was like a book of baseball cards yes, you would right, have when you were a kid. Slots. He's just like flipping through pages. Yes. It's like his Pog collection, but instead it's just like dead girls. And he flips through, he flips through and finds his surrogate daughter, whatever. And she received a B in being sex trafficked. We learned from this. <laughs> and he's mad. Yeah. He's like, my daughter got a fucking B. How what? dare you get the fuck out of here? <laughs> she got into Harvard. <laughs> well, not yeah. quite. If I have, I would love to work on these movies because I, I, I think I would try to do stuff to see if they, if they caught it. Like if I was this production designer, I'd be like, what does he want? Okay. And I'd just make his full book of dead girl cards. And I would have like one page that was just like a bunch of Shaquille O'Neal rookie cards or something <laughs> in hopes that like no one catches it until like a podcast like this is watching it and is like, did you guys pause it on the page of Shaquille O'Neal rookie cards? 
Okay, next page is Bain Capital's HR. <laughs> <laughs> if you pause it right here, there's a message out there that says, please find me and kill me. Weird. <laughs> yeah, okay, so now it's time for our... So he kills that guy, right? And now it's time for our final chapter, chapter seven. Dun, dun, dun. Reese, which is, I guess, Billy Baldwin. <laughs> they didn't yeah, really yeah. set that up. <laughs> okay, t to be clear, the good guy just left... A sex slave right there without helping her again. Well, yeah, with yeah. a corpse. Again. With a corpse. Like, you know, and, and so she, now she has to try and explain to the police, no, there was a preacher that came in and killed him. I was uninvolved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you also would think when you found the big, like, collection of dead girl cards that he would be like, okay, I'm at least going to call the police and walk away after leaving a voicemail that says, like, hey, police, uh, there is a massive sex trafficking ring going on here. If you show up, you know, he doesn't do anything. He's just like, no. I got to get the one guy. Yep, exactly. Also, some really good Shaquille cards. Just check it out when you <laughs> yeah, get yeah, yeah. Uh, All right, so he's driving out to the ranch where Billy Batty Baldwin is. And all of his phones start ringing at once. So he has this, like, dramatic moment where he throws them all out of the car because... In movies, you can't just turn them the fuck off or take out the battery. Or so. It's so stupid. <laughs> anyway, so he shows up at the at the ranch. All the horses are looking at him like, I bet he doesn't go through with it. He looks like a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and he limps towards the light. He's got this, there's this audio montage playing in the background of all the movie's main points about how he shouldn't kill people and he shouldn't take revenge. And technically, this has to be a Christian movie before it's all over. Right. <laughs> Basically, it's, it's a phone message from his mom. Now, David, I've seen the dailies. You remember to make this a Christian I've been looking movie at by the, the dailies. End, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's just like I wish that we could like recut this with stuff like that, and you just hear like uh, David, it's Eunice from the Dove Awards. Uh, we're looking at a two and a half right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, but he, yeah, he pushes past all of those good reasons for him not to take vengeance, and he walks towards this light off in the distance. Billy Baldwin is in the middle of doing a satanic spell or whatever, wherein they have superimposed these weird ass CGI flames. Oh, they're so good. They're like a perfect triangle. And it's as if David A.R. <laughs> White was talking to a VFX guy and was like, make the flames perfect and unchanging. And the guy was like, but sir, this is a, it's a wood burning perfect. fire. So it's going to function. And unchanging. <laughs> yeah. Or, he was talking to his VFX guy and he was like, and yeah, we'll put two like fire bonfires right there. And he was like, great. Yeah. So that package is $19.99. He was like, ah, whoa, whoa, $19. What can I get for six bucks? What, what can, can I get what you for? Getting? Yeah. It's like something out of a fucking 1998 video game or something. It's so weird. Yeah. It's like a 16 bit flame. Yeah. <laughs> and keep in mind, the other solution was just to set wood on fire. Yeah. <laughs> right. What happened in their universe where they couldn't do that? <laughs> Billy Baldwin was like, all right, motherfuckers, but I'm not getting warm. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or like a, or just like a gas, a little gas fire pit that he had set up for his ritual. Like why, why, who, nobody would even question it. Right. All right. So and of course, we should address that. This is the point where we see Billy Baldwin in his sweet ass face paint. Yeah, oh. it was like a really bad version of like the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, yeah I, exactly. I call it. I call it the Tonto makeup. Uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, so he's about to sacrifice. Like he's in the middle of his ceremony to Moloch or whatever, and Davy just limps right up in the middle of it. I love. There's a moment where all the disciples are like, "He means to hurt the master," and they all go to attack him. I'm like, "Oh my god, is he going to kill all these disciples?" <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> shooting a bunch of hippies in the desert. Yeah, right. It's like, I'm trying to save you assholes from human sacrifice. Oh, fuck. This doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. So, and then we get the final of fucking Batty Baldwin's monologues, right? Where he does the whole, like, strike me down now and I'll become more powerful than you can possibly imagine bit. And this turns into some, his speech turns into some weird sort of, like, fight club uh, wannabe like speech against consumerism or yeah. something. It was like, I got so confused. I was like, what is he talking about of like, uh, it was yeah. like reading the Dr. Brunner's soap package at a certain yeah. point. Yeah. Like, what the <laughs> fuck was going on there? Billy Baldwin's just given the monologue. Everyone gave me when I fired them from the toy store 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Your whole life will be defined by the corporate media. Okay, man, you tried to huff a bunch of <laughs> magic plastic. Relax, yeah. Nietzsche. <laughs> yeah. I, I also like that he just like Beckman essentially drove all the way there like for nothing. Yep. Like there's like no real, <laughs> he just kind of ends up walking away. Well, yeah, because right then they, he reaches like the, the pinnacle of his audio montage and he's like, yeah, I guess I'm not going to shoot you. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. He's in the middle of sacrificing a lady. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then David A.R. White throws his gun away dramatically. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it doesn't really work. No. no. <laughs> it's the best. He's like, and I throw my... Fuck. Okay. Yeah. That went like <laughs> that went like 10 feet. As, uh, you, how do you it up. grip a gun to throw it? Let me walk over there and, and pick, up, not meant. pick it up. Luckily, okay. Anthony Fauci is here to throw it farther and better. <laughs> yeah. What, a, what kind of like moral or like ethical lesson is this he wa he walks imagine a guy you're an assassin you walk up the bad guy is about to sacrifice somebody there's other women that for all we know all of them are going to be sacrificed and your moment is like uh, i know that i've already killed dozens of people throughout this story but i'm not gonna like kill this guy the main and now i'm bad doing guy. the right thing it's like not nah, no man you've already done your job kill the really bad guy at least <laughs> you know yeah but nobody's like i'm not gonna kill you and the guy's like oh well in that case the the girl tabitha is still alive in a barrel back in the uh <laughs> yeah that's right it's like why the fuck would you tell me that but okay so then he runs off to save tabitha and leaves all these other girls to be sacrificed to moloch I guess <laughs> <laughs> when he opened the barrel and spilled her out, I really wanted him to be like, Hey, Oh wow. That barrel is filled with shit, man. <laughs> How long Tabitha, have you been in there? <laughs> they, uh, I mean, they did kidnap you on taco Tuesday, but still Tabitha, hun, I really, <laughs> <laughs> this was such a letdown to me of just kind of like, wait, so the, the end, how this wraps up is basically Billy Baldwin being like, uh, she's in a barrel and then like he walks up and like opens the barrel and like she is and then he gets her yeah <laughs> that's the end of that that's, like how his story kind of wraps up just yeah like, okay well she goes she goes like she even asked him at this point she's like how did you find me and he's like bunch of dumbass coincidences and bullshit we we don't have much in the way of writers I got to meet the guy from Sons of Thunder though that's pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you about it in the car the yeah. movie's over <laughs> yeah she even asked she's like is it over and I'm like oh you and me both Tabitha but not quite no no not quite so they drive off to safety they leave all the other satanic human sacrifices there I guess yep right none of their business 
But in other business, <laughs> who knows if there's other girls that are alive in those bar- other there barrels? Right, like, there are other barrels, and he, he doesn't does even check, check the other fucking <laughs> barrel. Yeah, yeah, he's not like, oh, wow. well, if there's an alive one in this one, <laughs> solid chance there's an alive one in the other ones. But no, we'll we'll, uh, we'll get out of here. I don't want to push my luck here. <laughs> They're walking yeah. away into the sunset. We just hear dun dun dun. Hello. Yeah. Hello? yeah he was like, uh, cor- corpses are scary. I don't want to risk opening another one. Yeah. Right. That first one, man. That Got those taco shits, I, you, who knows, right? Who knows what I'm going to smell if I open another one? Okay, so we cut back to Billy Baldwin, and wouldn't you know it, the administrator is there, and he ain't no fucking preacher burdened by conscience. <laughs> so he just kills the motherfucker that uh, David A.R. White hadn't killed. Yeah. He picks up his cell phone, he's like, will there be a sequel? Oh, yes. There will be a sequel. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I like, I, first off, uh, it's just such a bold fucking choice to be like, I'm David Ayer White, I'm Pure Flix, I'm gonna get a fucking sequel, so we <laughs> might as well just film this ending. And then they do, and it was literally like, the phone call happens, and it was it was literally as if that guy was just like, what you just said, that guy was like, I'm gonna be in the sequel. <laughs> yep, yeah, exactly. Oh, it's such a, and this is such a lazy ass way to do the movie, right? So the whole movie is that he finally has the pathos or whatever, and he, and he decides not to go through with the fucking killing, but then the movie doesn't and decides to go through with the killing anyway. So we still get to get the revenge. That's so fucking lazy and stupid. Anyway, all right. Well, and that's the end of the movie. We finally get to the credits. We made it the whole way. Luke, thank you again so much for suffering alongside us today. Uh, quick, before we let you go, what's the best way to see faith-based if our listeners are dying to? Oh, man. Well, thanks for having me, guys. That was uh, a blast, and Beckman is really something. Uh, yeah, faith-based is... Uh, faith, you can, faith-based is out basically anywhere that you can rent or buy a movie, so all your iTunes and Amazon and Voodoo and Xbox, wherever you can go rent a movie, uh, you can go see faith-based. Uh, I can't is it on get, Pure Flix? Yeah, yeah, anywhere but Pure Flix. <laughs> we actually have Christ Flix in our movie, and we have many posters <laughs> with things like Jesus Plows and uh, high-risk <laughs> <laughs> higher purpose which is like our firefighter movie oh nice nice i can't guarantee you'll you'll love it but i can guarantee you it's better than beckman <laughs> i will also say i'm not in favor whatsoever of stealing movies because i i know how these you know every time somebody rents our movie for, for 3.99 it, it it actually makes a difference, but I will say I did not want to pay for Beckman, and I and I'm so technically not savvy that I couldn't even figure out how to steal it. So I bought the five ninety nine. I gave five ninety nine <laughs> to Pure Flix to watch this movie. All right, so, so he you has earned your money, Faith-based. listeners. Yeah, let's, earned faith. You go to rent faith based. Yeah, let's yeah. get him his five ninety nine back at the very least. <laughs> you owe him. The agency was me. worth it for that flame, though. That was yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. That's true. All right. And that's going to do it for our review of Beckman. That is not going to do it for the episode just yet, though, because we still need to set up a trailer of Reese's Pieces to lead you to next week. So, Eli, tell us what's on deck. Well, it's that time of year, which means we're going to start up 2020's Christmas Tacular. Oh, God damn it. Okay, fine. And we're beginning this year's Christmas Tacular with an original release on Netflix, Dolly Parton's 
Christmas on the square. All right, I like Dolly nice. Parton. God damn it. She cured COVID. Yeah. I'll probably like that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me, she uh, may have cured COVID, but she's still not good at her job, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so with that to look forward to, we're going to bring episode 275 to a merciful close. Once again, a huge thanks to Luke Barnett and uh, somehow even huger thanks to all our Patreon donors that help make the show go. If you'd like to count yourself among the ranks, you can make a per-episode donation to patreon.com slash godawful and thereby earn early access to an ad-free version of every episode. You can also help a ton by leaving a five-star review and sharing the show on all your various social media platforms. And if you enjoyed this show, be sure to check out our sibling shows, The Scathing ADS Citation Data, D&D Minus, and The Scott for Crowd, available wherever podcasts live. If you have questions, comments, or cinematic suggestions, you can email godawfulmovies at gmail.com. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres. Tim Robinson takes care of our social media. Our theme song was written and performed by Ryan Slot to people on Mars. All other music was written and performed by our audio engineer, Morgan Clark, and was used with permission. Thanks again for giving us a check of your life this week. For Heath Enright and Eli Bosley, I'm going to promise to work hard to earn another chunk next week. Until then, we'll leave you with a Breakfast Club close. 30 sex-trafficked young girls continued being sex slaves despite meeting the Christian protagonist of the movie. Right? Uh, William Billy Baldwin eventually made his way back to the small apartment he shares with his brother Daniel. He looked up at the frame backdraft poster hung off center above their couch, and he began to quietly weep. <laughs> David A.R. White went on to be pretty sure he was young enough to keep doing fight scenes. But not his marriage. <laughs> oh. You know it was originally Beck, right? And they were like, dude, that's so close good. to Wick. Oh, what about Batman? His that's name too close to Batman. He had to have a Batman moment for sure. Where he was <laughs> oh, like, Beckman. I could, I could really let that like ring off the tongue like they do with Batman. Schmatman? <laughs> no. No. The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.